Today's gospel ends with what is probably the most famous verse in all of scripture. But it begins with a conversation under the cover of night, a conversation that, if we're honest, is pretty hard to follow. Properly understood, this conversation is actually quite illuminating. And as we untangle its thread, we'll be able to see what it reveals about us, about salvation, and about the nature of God. So the scene is Nicodemus and Jesus at night. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus with basically three questions. The first one is a statement, but the question's implied. He's asking, who are you? Who do you claim to be? We think we know, but tell us for yourself. The second question, how can anyone be born again? And then the third question, how can this be? How can these things be? Nicodemus is clearly confused. Maybe you are as well. But more than that, he's surprised. You can almost see him spinning his wheels, the wheels getting sort of deeper and deeper in the mud as the conversation goes on. He thought initially that he knew who Jesus was. He said, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. But Jesus responds that you can't reason your way to an understanding of his person and nature. Unless our eyes are opened, we remain spiritually blind. So this has Nicodemus back on his heels. Nicodemus thought Jesus meant that he needed a second physical birth. Um, That word that's translated born from above can also mean born again. And that's clearly how Nicodemus understood Jesus' expression. So Jesus clarifies this. And this is a technique, it happens over and over in John's gospel where um, Jesus makes a claim, it's misunderstood by someone, and Jesus clarifies the claim in order to teach, to give you a better sense of what he's teaching. So he clarifies that he meant born from above, that is, as he goes on to say, born of water and spirit. And this is where, for us, it might be more confusing, but for Nicodemus, he started to understand but then got surprised. So our trajectory is probably getting less and less clear, but for him, he was getting more and more clear, but it really shocked him what Jesus was actually saying. In other words, Nicodemus came to Jesus thinking he was in a good position. He was safe and secure in his faith and his understanding, and he was questioning who this Jesus is, what he thought he was about. What Jesus was saying is that everyone... Nicodemus, the rest of the faithful Jews, the rest of the Gentiles, they all had to come to God in the same way. At that time, Jews spoke of Gentile converts using the language of new birth. What Jesus is saying is everyone comes into the kingdom through that same door of faith and new birth. We don't need more rules, more encouragement, more techniques. What we need is a radically new life. And we know that Nicodemus would have been familiar with this concept because Jesus is drawing on the Old Testament tradition. Um, In the Old Testament, God promised to bring this new life, this new birth to his people in terms of water and spirit. Ezekiel 36, for instance, says, 
I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes. As a teacher of the law, Nicodemus would have known these promises, but he seems to have thought that they were for others, certainly not for himself. He didn't need that kind of radical new start that be akin to a new life, a new creation. But God's words from the Old Testament, picked up here by Jesus, point to the fact that the problem that we are up against, the problem of evil in our world, in our lives, runs deep right through every human heart, as Solzhenitsyn said. And as the problem runs deep, so also does the remedy. Jesus goes on to use several images to describe what that remedy looks like, what that new life looks like. He talks about birth, as we already discussed. We cannot affect our natural birth, our physical birth, and likewise we cannot affect our spiritual birth. He then goes on to talk about it in terms of wind, Uh, which we see has real effects in the world around us. We can see it coursing through the leaves, but we have no, no control over where it goes or where it comes from. And then the last image that he uses is an allusion to this Old Testament story of Moses and the bronze serpent. Um, this, is, this is right after the people of Israel have been brought out of bondage in Egypt, and they're grumbling as we typically do about food, right? There's no good food here in the wilderness, And um, they're punished by these poisonous serpents that, that come throughout the camp. And God provides a remedy in the form of a bronze serpent wrapped around a pole. And Moses is to lift this serpent up, and anyone who's been bitten by these snakes looks at the pole and is healed. Um, in fact, the snake wrapped around the pole has become a symbol of the healing arts because of this story. Well, the point of the story and all of these images is that the Israelites could not heal themselves. All they could do was look on the means of forgiveness that God has, had provided. All of these images point to that same reality. We cannot help ourselves. Our rescue comes by grace through faith. It comes as a gift of God that we receive by faith. Our salvation, in other words, is not by works, not by descent, not by family lineage. God made it so that whoever believes in Jesus may have eternal life. Well, the diagnosis is bleak. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The remedy is humbling. We can't help ourselves. We need to trust God simply for salvation and healing. But what this passage says about God is that God is love, the savior of sinners, and that in Jesus we see his love incarnate. There is so much evil in our world, in our relationships, even in our own hearts. What are we to do in the face of such darkness? Of our own efforts, we can do little, but we see the full weight of the world's evil wrapped up around Jesus on the cross. 
For God did not send the Son to condemn the world. Rather, he bore it himself in order that the world might be saved through him. If you want to know what God looks like, look to Jesus on the cross. There we see what God looks like. God is love. And that's not sentimental, for this love is costly, willing to sacrifice himself for his beloved. And the sight of that love, so wondrously expressed in Christ, is the means by which the Spirit brings to birth in us that new life, which in turn enables us to see and enter the kingdom which we were made for. Each year as we journey through Lent, we witness the forces of evil rage and storm and threaten to engulf even God himself on Calvary's hill. And each year in the face of the evil that still surrounds us today, we are invited to pray with the psalmist, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth.